want to thank everybody who just joined us today. Uh, Pastor Tim here with the Fulfilled Life Church um, prayer line, if you will. Um, you know, usually at the end we leave time for our prayer requests. For whatever reason, I'm just following this, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, if anybody even wants prayer now, you can hit star five, and we can pray, you know, over you even right now. You know, I do have a devotional for the night, so we can get to that. You can hit star five, by the way, if you if you wanted to pray um, um, right now. But if you if you don't, if, if nobody wants to raise their hand just yet, that's fine. We'll still leave time for later on. But I did want to leave an opportunity for anybody who wants prayer with the hand hitting star five on their phone. Um, at the same time, what I'll do in lieu of that is I, I might go and take a, a look at a couple of scripture verses um, that I want to just share with you. And actually, there were ones that we covered last week during Bible study, but, you know, I just feel compelled. You know, the Holy Spirit feels, you know, has made me feel compelled to actually look at these verses again. Um, and and um, and actually teach on these actually literally again because I think that there's there's more that we can draw out of these of these verses here tonight. So we're gonna be in, in First Corinthians chapter one, starting verse eighteen. For those of you who want to turn there early, um, what I would say also, by the way, is I I recognize a lot of the names on on the um, on this line tonight. And what I would say is, if any of you kind of feel it in your heart, you know that God's calling you to you know, step up and, you know, take on more leadership, even in, in a call like this or in a meeting like this. And you want to, you know, when I call on our prayer leaders to kind of help to lead us in prayers or to read scriptures, you want to hit star five and, and raise a hand for that, to participate in that. You know, don't be shy, you know, in any way. You know, I, I know the spirit of the God lives and dwells within each of you who are on this line right now. I, I can obviously see who's on the line right now. Um, all of you have a tremendous amount to offer. And, if at any point in time you just feel like God put it on your heart to, to lead this group in, in, in prayer for a minute or two or whatever, um, hit star five, and, and, and we'll be able to get to that. So I just want to make that open. If any of our prayer warriors, whether it's you, Victor, Mother Lula, um, Kat, Cecilia, Merlene, Jean, Irma, Mama D, whoever, if any of you want to kind of help to lead us right now as we go into the next portion of the night in some prayers as the Spirit leads, hit star five to let me know your, your hand is raised. I'll be happy to call on you. If you want to either read a scripture verse or or speak a word that you believe the Holy Spirit put on your heart. But I just want to let you know that I value, you know, all of you all, I value your, your, your opinions and, and your leadership capabilities. I'm not certainly um, trying to press anybody to, to say anything, but I just want to let you know the, the invitations on the table, if you will. And that doesn't just go for tonight. That goes for every night um, into the future. So whenever you hear me call for our prayer leaders or warriors, and if you want to say something, you're welcome to do so. Um, you can just hit star five. But uh, with that being said, I want to turn to Corinthians chapter one eight. I didn't one eighteen. I should say I didn't see any hands up just yet. So I'll go with uh, moving forward with the devotional for tonight. And um, for some of you who were on Bible study, you already you know we already looked at this verse. But the thing about the Bible is that the verses are meant to be you know sort of ruminated on over time to be um, it's to use sort of like a food analogy. It's almost like you. You, you chew on it a bit, right? And, and the flavor comes out more the more you kind of sit there and you, you chew on it or, you, or you, stew, you stew on it, if you will, right? It's, if you've ever made a good stew, you kind of – you leave it on the stove for a little while longer, right? And it kind of brings out the different flavors in the food a little bit more in a different kind of a way. You put your spices in there and you add your seasonings and it just makes the food taste so rich. And that's the Bible like. You know, when you stew on the Bible, right, when you when you look at a verse or a passage or a chapter, 
and you read it over and you stop and you think about it. Then maybe you read it again and then you you kind of zoom in on a specific verse even every now and then. You know, it actually makes the experience more rich, more flavorful, if you will. And so I don't do this often. I, I don't think I've ever in this line had a you know, cover a verse and kind of go back to it like, you know, a day later or the next week. But in this instance, I want us to go back to this again because there's a lot we can learn here. So Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize the message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's most brilliant debaters? God has made them all look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. So that first part of the Bible is so critically important because we live obviously in this culture in which essentially, you know, it seems as though the church is always at odds with the science of the time, right? It seems like the church is almost at war with, you know, intellectualism as a concept, right? So it often feels like there's this, there's these intellectuals on the one hand, right? At, you know, I, you know, you name the Ivy League institution or what have you, or you name the scientists at the, you know, kind of famous, a world-renowned research institution, versus those of us who have faith or who who believe in in the Lord. Um, and culturally speaking, the way that the arguments are often framed is in such a way that the world basically concludes that the so-called intellectuals, the philosophers, scholars, and brilliant debaters of our time are correct and that those people who rely on their faith are are not, you know, you know, correct or that they aren't, you know, as brilliant as these other people who are so learned and astute and erudite in the way that they've been able to learn a variety of things. But the Bible comes in direct opposition to that. It, it challenges that notion directly. And it, this, is, this is a small part of the Bible, meaning this notion of the, of the church versus, if you will, the intellectualism of the time, that's not a theme that is kind of strewn throughout the entire, you know, strewn throughout the Bible as much as other topics. But in this day and age, that's a very, very, very important point. Like what we're talking about here in First Corinthians chapter 1 is one of the leading reasons for why people turn away from the gospel or don't believe the gospel at all or look down upon Christians. It's really that they just think Christians just aren't as smart as these other people. People who believe in God aren't as intelligent. It's really these philosophers and scholars and brilliant debaters who are wise. And the people who have faith in God are not wise. In fact, they're dumb. It would be what, what some people would actually argue. But God, knowing that, you know, we would come to such a time as this, so he knows everything, attacks this notion head on. He says, no, no, let me just be clear about this. For all of the scientists out there and the, and the, and the scholarly people out there and, and the brilliant debaters in their ivory towers and the Ivy League or whatever, as it turns out, I'm going to make you all look foolish by showing your wisdom 
to be, as the Bible puts it, useless nonsense. Useless nonsense. It was like that's the word of God saying your wisdom is nonsensical. And that's important because you, you get – you can draw out from that scripture the tone that God's speaking with there. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm going to prove your wisdom to be a lesser version than mine because my ways are higher than yours. No, this was like God – this was like the most godly way to insult, like, right, a, a line of reasoning, you know, as, as, as is possible. He says this line of reason that you all espouse to – that the cross is not important, that Christ is not important, that, that there's no such thing as God or whatever. It's useless nonsense. And I'm not going to mince words when I say that. It's ridiculous. For all of you scholars, all of you scientists who say I don't exist, all of you people who come against the, the teaching of the cross, all of your teachings are nonsense. And that's what I think as the Lord. And I think that's important and an interesting kind of take on it. From God, actually. That's an interesting take that God has, that these brilliant philosophers are actually spewing useless nonsense. And it says in verse 21, this is important, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save all who believe. That verse equips you with the tools you need to help yourself to stand firm in the moment of pushback from those who consider themselves more learned on the basis of whatever scientific evidence they can find, right? What I'm To break it down and make it more clear, what I'm saying to you is this verse is basically saying God said thousands of years ago when this book was written, right, you're never going to find me through human wisdom. What is human wisdom? Put it more plainly, through human sciences. Right? It's the reason why you're, you're not going to come up with a math equation proving unequivocally the existence of God. You're never going to catch God on candid camera somewhere, right? CNN news cameras are just going to catch Jesus just appearing, right? And then so for everybody to see, so we can broadcast it through the world using our human sciences that can transmit, you know, um, radio waves and what have you across the airwaves such that we'll be able to see an image of Jesus. It's not going to be because some scientists find some hieroglyphic somewhere in some type of tomb in Egypt or something that's going to prove it. It's, it's that you're never going to find him through human means. You're only going to find him if you, if you want to activate your faith. And that's important to note because even as Christians, we can get caught up in this notion of like, how do I prove to someone in an unequivocal in scientific way that God exists and, and, and have this scientific evidence that's so concrete that it's indisputable. But according to Scripture, and let me be clear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that science doesn't help to explain certain things that are espoused in the Bible. It does. But you're never going to get to indisputable evidence of God strictly through human means because according to the Scripture, he made it impossible for the world to find him. He saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, meaning he made it impossible for human beings to just use their scientific equations and what have you in the scientific method in, in that only in order to find God. At a certain point in time, you're going to have to use some elements of science, right, 
observing the nature around you, observing the realities that you feel and you experience, you see, touch, smell, you know, you know, um, uh, hear, whatever, and use that to inform your decision that God exists. That's going to help you form it, right? It's going to help you get there. But the world at large is never just going to accept God just because of those things, those evidences. At a certain point, all of us are going to be asked activate our faith and so a reasonable person among you may say well look pastor tim that you know is that really a hundred percent true because didn't god come and give unequivocal evidence of his existence that would be scientifically provable or that would be completely scientifically disprovable meaning something that cannot be proven against um when he came and he would perform miracles such as um what he did against egypt when he was going to set his people free or when Jesus would come and he would heal the sick or, or cause a lame person to start walking or what have you, isn't that undisputable, indisputable rather, scientific evidence that God is real and that Jesus was, was, was doing real miracles? And I would say to you, yes and no in a sense, because yes, it's true that Jesus did come and provide literal evidence of the of the of the existence of god that god did at times provide literal evidence of his existence when he would come and do a miracle for instance but the reason why the bible is still right in saying that god made it impossible for people to find him through human wisdom through human understanding through human science if you will is that even when people saw his miracles they still didn't believe what they were seeing a lot of the time, even when they were seeing it live. Even when they saw God doing things live in real time, there were people who didn't believe what they were seeing. Because even to see what he's doing, get this, get, let this sink in your spirit. Even to see what God is doing and to believe that it's him doing it, even if he were to come down from heaven right now and start doing it, you would need to activate your faith in some way. Because Jesus would heal the sick, and people would say, no way, he must be demon-possessed or something. That's what people would think. They would say, what's the matter with this guy? He would heal the sick, instead of being, instead of being happy, they'd say, what's the matter with him? He's the type of demon-possessed person? How is he casting out these evil spirits? He must be a demon himself. Or the people of Israel would see God do all these miracles. And then the next time they need God to take them into the promised land to do just one more miracle, which would have been actually for God a lot less, less, less hard than the miracles he had already done, they suddenly forget all about what God had done before, and they fall into fear, and they act like God doesn't do any miracles anymore, that God's not with them anymore. And it's, it's like, despite all of the scientifically provable evidence that God existed and was fighting for them, they still failed to find God because they wouldn't activate their faith. And so that point's important. That when arguing with somebody who wants to argue with you about what the existence of God, bear in mind these two things, that God has made it humanly impossible to find him through science alone, although science will give you hints and clues, don't get me wrong, but through science alone you will never find God. Even through evidence alone, like like real, real-time, alive, miraculous evidence, even through that, at a certain point in time, you have to believe what you're seeing through faith at a certain point. 
faith is going to come into the equation at some point for people to believe it. It's important to understand those two things. Um, and it's important to understand that because it will equip us um, so that we are, we're able to stand our ground in the midst of those conversations. Um, and don't get me wrong, and don't get it twisted or confused. We as believers do have a responsibility to hold our ground in such conversations, not so much for the point of argument, but more so so that when we are ministering to people and they come back to us with these questions about, like, you know, what is, like, who is God? What is God? What are you guys even talking about? Why can't I see him? Why can't I touch him? What do you mean? It's good to know that you're not leading people astray when you assert, look, it's about faith. It's about what comes from within. It's about looking for evidence and clues, yes, but then ultimately having faith and knowing in your heart of hearts that your objective in getting someone to believe God is not to provide them with some type of, like, scientific explanation necessarily. Although that can be helpful, ultimately, the key is to get people to a place where they activate their own faith, right? Uh, so that's very important for us to understand. It says in verse 22, God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it is true. And it's foolish to the Greeks because they only believe what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans, and the God's weaknesses is far stronger than the greatest of human strength. Hallelujah. So God has done much um, to bring about um, excellence throughout the world. He has done much um, to prove uh, that his plans are the greatest of plans. I think that's very, very important. Again, those of you who tuned in for the Bible study last week, um, you will have heard these verses. But I was just saying to the group when I started off and kicked off this meeting that sometimes it's good to return to the well and spend some time, you know, re-engaging a scripture verse that you read previously to, to allow new things to come out of it. And uh, this is Pastor Tim here with you all today. Hope you're all having a good day. But we we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We were reading through... Uh, verse 22, all the way down right now through to verse 25. Um, and one thing that's worthwhile to point out here is the Word of God describes the gospel as the foolish gospel. And in, in, in essence, what it's saying is this gospel that the world thinks is so foolish is more wise than the wisest idea in the history of planet Earth that any human being has ever come up with. That's really what the Bible is saying, right? It's saying, don't be surprised when people think this is foolishness, but rest assured it's wiser than even the most brilliant thing any of these people have ever come up with, regardless of the fact that they think it's foolish. They can call it foolish all they want. Their brilliant ideas, according to the scripture, by the way, is foolish nonsense in comparison to the ideas and the plan set forth by the Lord. That's why the Bible says, God has made them all look foolish and shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. That's verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So God is using foolish nonsense in the eyes of others to prove actually that these people are the ones with the foolish plans. And he does so for reasons that are outlined in verse 26. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes are powerful or wealthy when God called you. 
Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, those things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important, so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. This is, I'm, I'm actually just asking the Holy Spirit to help me even to explain this in an adequate way. But let me try saying it to you all uh, like this. The significance of this verse cannot be overstated. It is this notion that God specifically calls us, even though we may not have it all together, even though we may have weaknesses, even though we are not qualified intentionally, because it glorifies him more. I'm going to say that again. God calls us to do things not in spite of our weaknesses, according to the scripture, because of our weaknesses. Because when he does it through you and you knew that you had all these weaknesses, and perhaps even other people around you knew that you had these weaknesses, it will be unequivocally factual that God is the one who is doing it to begin with or using you as a vessel to do it through. The reason that's important is because so many times God calls us to do stuff, and we're talking ourselves out of it. We're telling ourselves about how we're not qualified, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not, we're not capable enough, we don't have the right accolades, we don't have the right pedigree, we don't have this, we don't have that. We're not powerful enough, whatever excuse we tell ourselves. But this verse tells us, no, don't you understand, like, you should do whatever God's calling you to do anyway, because in all likelihood, he called you to do something knowing you had a weakness, and in fact, he called you to do something that would require you to be excellent because you had a weakness. He saw the weakness in you and then said, let me use so-and-so. Because when I use them, then the world will know that I'm God. When I make that person powerful, who was not powerful before, when I make that person wise, who nobody thought of as wise before, when I make that person excellent, who everyone thought had been a failure before, then everyone will know that there's a God who reigns. Then everyone will know because they'll figure, try to wonder what happened in that person's life. That person will say the answer was I got more serious about my relationship with God. God helped me do it, and then God will be glorified through that. So that's how it actually works. And I, I think that's important to understand that rather than trying to figure out why God called us or why we feel it in our heart to do something that we believe God's calling us to do and listing up the reasons why we're not qualified to do it, perhaps we should stop and think, maybe it's the reasons I'm not qualified to do it. That's exactly why God called me to do it to begin with. In all likelihood, that's probably the case. In all likelihood, that's probably the case. So anyway, that's, I just thought that was interesting. And lastly, verse 30 says, God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For, the, for our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. So that's a very, very interesting verse, um, speaking to a couple of things that are quite pertinent, the foremost of which being that God is so committed to the notion of 
being the reason why things work out for us. Um, he is so committed to this notion of making strong those who are not strong, making wise those who are unwise, what have you. He's so committed to the notion that he is the source of all good things that come our way that he says, no, even the fact that you know about Jesus, the fact that you are in Christ right now, which means the fact that you happen to be one with Christ and you have a relationship with Christ is only because of God also. Like you, Literally nothing that we do is our own strength. Nothing that we do is done in our own strength. And that would include coming to Christ. So, yes, I just wanted to close with that. And I'm trying to pray that that God would help us all to uh, embrace his wisdom, um, speak boldly on his behalf, and uh, always love, you know, him and, you know, our neighbors as well. Um, Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord God, over your people tonight. I just pray, Father, that you will continue to bless them, continue to be with them. Lord God, help them to embrace the true wisdom of God, which is a greater and more wise than even uh, the greatest and grandest of all human wisdom, Lord God. The most insignificant thing you've ever said, Lord God, is still more wise than anything that our great scholars or philosophers or brilliant debaters have ever said. And so I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to help your children to embrace this word, to speak it and declare it publicly, and, Lord God, to always know Lord God, that you are the source of their strength and all good things that come to their life. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. All right. I just want to just say now, Pastor Tim here with you all, this would be the perfect time. If you need prayer for anything under the sun, hit star five. Star five right now to let me know you need prayer. Um, if you need prayer at all, hit star five. I'm going to go to a couple of hands I see up. First the hand I saw was from our brother. I believe it is Victor. Victor, how can we pray for you today, my friend? Oh, Pastor Tim. I just love what you said because, all right, I went to church Sunday, right? And guess what we said? God said, no excuses. Remember how you said the excuse? God said, stop the excuse and go forward and do it. That was what God said. Yeah. And then um, also part two of this, okay, now science, you have to watch out because, see, Here's how we put it together with it. Iran has nuclear weapons ready, and they're pointing at Israel. So we can have the end come any day now. And you better have faith. And when you have faith, you better pray for somebody, and you better make sure that God hears it and that miracle happens to that person. Because if you don't have that faith, 50% of the believers are going to go to hell. The other 50 that have the faith, They're going to go up and rise up as Jesus comes back. And all the other ones you said that didn't believe, that's the place they don't want to go. And I I don't even want to talk about that place because it's bad enough you fight the enemy and then you stuck burning with them. You don't want to go there, man. So with the faith, like you said, that's very powerful. You have to right now, in these times where we're at, you better have strong faith. If you don't have that little seed of faith that God gives you in your heart, you pick that Bible up. If you have to sit all day and read it day and night, day and night, day and night, and that faith comes to you, God starts speaking to you, then you've got to go outside and you've got to go hold a sign or something. You just go do it. Don't argue. Don't cry about mm-hmm. it. Just go do it. You know, because I, love it. I believe Jesus is coming, 
and it's coming very soon now. Because these are the end times right here. Everything is lining up with the word. And I believe it is. And all I'm asking is this. You don't want to get stuck in hell. You're better off right now to pick the word up and read it, and you're better off to to get strong faith. And and when you pray Amen. for somebody, pray for Amen. them and make sure, pray to God. If it takes you all day and night, whatever you got to do for that miracle to hit that person. Amen, man. And I love it. Is right. I love it. He said, I, I love what you spoke about when I went to church yesterday. And I go, go ahead, Tim. Speaking, because now I've heard yeah, this. Man. I know exactly well, I how to answer these questions. <laughs> I, I, I got Amen. 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 Thank you so yeah. much for the word, my brother. Yeah. Thank you so much for that word. And I and what I would say is, in, in, in addition to, you know, I think our brother Victor, you know, said it well, you know, just continue to have faith because we're going to need it. I think Victor did a great job just sort of outlining that and how much in it's important for us to continue to maintain that faith at all times. Um, thank you so much, brother. That's always great hearing from you. I want to go over to Rosette as well, but I think who has a prayer request. Rosette, how can we pray for you today? Yes. Uh, good evening, Pastor Tim. Good evening, everyone on the prayer line. Thank you for that word tonight, Pastor Tim. Um, it really, it really went down to my, to my soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> good word. Yes. Um, my prayer request is for this woman named Audrey. She's she's up in age. She's in her um, late 80s, and um, I wanted to pray for her health. You know, I've known her for a while and, you know, been praying for her to come to the Lord. There's other people have been praying for her salvation. But recently I, you know, I got to speak with her, and she told me her health wasn't good. But she's still looking for things that she's been wanting to happen for her since she was younger, and I just want to pray for her health because I really want her to be around longer and hope that she would come to know the Lord and, and mm. you know. You said, her, you said her, name was, her name was Audrey? Yes, Audrey, and she's on the West yeah, Coast. Yeah. yeah, let's pray for her. Um, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for, for the life of Audrey. Um, I don't know all the details about her, Lord, but you know everything about Audrey, and it seems to us, Lord God, that you know, perhaps she's in a place of, of dealing with some health complications, and maybe she doesn't know you that well yet, Lord. But Heavenly Father, it's never too late for anybody. The door is always open, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you, O oh Lord God, would just allow Audrey, O oh Heavenly Father, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, to just come know you to find a healing, O oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, and thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We ask you, Heavenly Father, that you... Um, would heal her in her body, give her more time and extended life here, Lord God, and cause her health, which has been deteriorating, to start to reverse and allow it, Heavenly Father, to get back to a place where she can go back to the things that she loves to enjoy doing in this life in Jesus' mighty name. I also want to pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you, um, Lord Jesus, would just allow them to, um, you would just allow her and her entire family, Heavenly Father, just to, uh, have peace even in this time, Lord God, even in this difficulty in the mighty name of Jesus. Allow them to experience peace. But above everything, Heavenly Father, uh, what I pray, Lord God, is that she would come to know you. And that before this life is over, that her soul would be saved, that she would be able to have the opportunity uh, to know you in Jesus' mighty and precious name. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We plead the blood of Jesus, the same blood of Jesus which has washed away all of our sins, the same precious blood of Jesus which has 
made us all new, that same blood of Jesus, which defeats every single scheme of the enemy, Lord God, and cleanses and protects us. I pray that that blood of Jesus, Lord God, would also cleanse and protect Audrey. In the name of Jesus, may it set her free from every kind of demonic oppression, every sickness, every disease. We pray, Lord God, that all the forces of darkness over her life uh, is broken, just as you've broken it over each of our lives in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for the cleansing of that blood, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name, and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I want to go over to another hand I see up. I believe this hand was from, oh, Minister Stacy. Hi, Minister Stacy. Good evening, Pastor Tim, and to everyone on the prayer line. Pastor Tim, I wanted you to pray for a young man um, named Gerald. Yeah. He allowed me to lead him to yeah. Christ um, at Pascos today, and uh, he he's definitely having some issues. So my prayer for him is that he will get into a good, you know, faith-based church where he can learn more about the things of God and uh, probably get around godly men who can help take him into the destiny that God truly has for his life. And um, it was such a blessing because another gentleman at Costco, and I shared this with your mom who lost his life not long ago, um, was a good friend of his. And as we stood there and had the conversation, I told God that um, I would go back to Costco's to try to win more souls. So he just aligned me at the perfect time with this gentleman, and he and Alonzo were good friends. So I'm just, you know, I just want to pray for God to protect him to um, get him into, again, you know, a good faith-based church. And he's also fighting to for visitation for his daughter, and he's needing a good lawyer mm-hmm. to help him with that because the mother's keeping him from the kids. So my prayer is that God will just bless his life in 2021 and that he'll get to walk out the path and destiny that God has, you know, for him. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Yeah. yeah. Heavenly Father, we just up Gerald right now. We just ask, Lord God, that you will work on his behalf. We know that you see him, Lord. We know that you see him. We know that you see him. We know that you saw that he gave his life to Christ. And that not only did you see that, but you rejoiced at that, Lord God. You were grateful uh, for the salvation of his soul, for the opportunity that he would have to now know you. And I know, Heavenly Father, my spirit, that that is how you felt when you saw your son return home. Make an effort. Make a step towards you because I know that you love him, care about him, created him, put greatness on the inside of him. But I pray, Heavenly Father, right now, Lord God, that you would help him to find his way to a good Bible-based church a good area, Lord God, that he would be able to grow and cultivate his faith, Lord God, that you put him in the right atmosphere with men and women of God that would help him to rise up and increase his level, Heavenly Father, of understanding about you and understanding of what it is to walk in your path. God, in these early seasons, Lord God, where it's so easy for someone to accept the word and then have the enemy either snatch it or allow the hardships of, of life to sort of uh, drown out, Lord God, the good things of God. I would pray, Heavenly Father, that what you would do right now is just protect him, cocoon him, Lord God, with the right influences, Lord Jesus, that would help him to grow in the things of God in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. We plead the same blood of Jesus that raised Christ from the dead that has looked out and washed over all of us. We pray that that blood of Jesus would just be over him right now. We just strengthen him, protect him. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we have prayed. And we ask, O Heavenly Father, that 
the situation, the litigious battle he's going through, Lord God, with um, uh, the visitation rights for his daughter, Lord God, we pray you would take care of that. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you would make that whole situation work out in his favor. In Jesus' mighty name, and amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let's go to the last hand I see from Beverly. Hey, Beverly. Hello? Hi, Bev. Yes, this is Beverly. Uh, what I need prayer for, uh, Pastor Tim, is that I need medical and dental insurance. That's the right kind and that it's not expensive, please. <laughs> Good request. Let's see what the Lord can do in that regard. I know we just got something special for you, sister. Um, Heavenly Father, we just pray for good medical and dental insurance for our, our our sister right now, Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord God, you just take care uh, of Beverly. We know how much you, you care for her, look after her, want what's best for her. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, we just ask, Lord God, you just help her with an affordable uh, form of care, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we know that Health care is of the utmost importance. That's why you created these systems, Lord God, and the doctors and the people with the aptitude and the, the mental fortitude, Heavenly Father, to perform these kinds of medical procedures. We ask, oh, Heavenly Father, that you would just take care right now of your daughter, Beverly, in the mighty, the precious, and the uplifted name of Jesus Christ. Ensure, Lord God, that she gets affordable care. Ensure that she is even... Um, placed into the care of exceptional doctors, and with whatever procedure she needs done, may it be seamless, pain-free, Heavenly Father, and something, Thank Lord you. God, that makes her life much better in the long term. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for praying for me. Thank you, sister. And what I want to do here now is wrap us up with a prayer protection over all of us here. Um, Heavenly Father, I want to ask, Lord, for your protection over your children, mind, body, and soul. We have no fear of the enemy, Lord God, because of you. And we love you, God. And we look to you, Father. And we ask you, Father, to help all of us, to strengthen every single one of us. We plead that blood of Jesus over our minds, Lord God, today. That the enemy is not allowed to touch any of us in the name of Jesus. And we ask for your help. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we've prayed. Guard your children. Keep us safe from all evil. Amen. 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 Amen